You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. What I'm going to be talking about is how we ask God in prayer. That's the essence of what prayer is. If you've been with us the last month here at City Church, we've been talking about prayer. And we've been using the Lord's Prayer from the Gospel of Luke as an entry point into what prayer is. And today we're going to look at the concluding verses in this section. We're going to read together Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn in your Bible and follow along as I read these words out loud for us. Now this is God's word, which he's given to us because he loves us so much. Here's what it says. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious Father, just as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth, so we ask now that your Spirit would come down and water the soil of our hearts so that this seed of your word would be planted there and would grow and produce a harvest that is a blessing both to us into the world. We ask this through the power of your Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I want to talk about today. It's simple. And for those uh, children who are in here, I want you to follow along too because throughout this message, I'm going to be speaking to you as well. Here's the point of today's message, that prayer is asking boldly from our Father. Prayer is asking boldly from our Father. Let me break that uh, one sentence into three parts and we'll work our way through it. The first is that prayer is asking. I've kind of already made that point with the children when they were up here earlier. But uh, the essence of the Lord's Prayer is asking. The last four weeks we've gone line by line through the Lord's Prayer and every one of those lines is a petition. Petition is just a, a fancy word for ask. It's asking God to do things, to make his name holy and great, to give us 
our daily bread, the things that we need for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Where We ask God that he would forgive our sins as we forgive others. We ask God, we looked at last week, to not let us be led into temptation. You see, prayer is asking. And uh, in fact, Paul Miller, who's written a couple of books on prayer, um, says that the, the easiest way to summarize all of Jesus's teaching on prayer is with a single word, ask. You want to know what prayer is? It's ask. It's asking God. Prayer is as simple as the asking that our children do, and that's why I want to be like them, because they uh, lack the, you know, all the ways we cover up our basic needs. They ask their parents for water. They ask their parents for milk. They ask for the relationship of a story being read to them. What if we learned from you all, you children, because you're so good at asking? I think most of us as adults, what happens is that we are full of wishing, we're full of wanting, but we're empty of asking. And with children, it's kind of the reverse. They're full of asking. The moment an idea comes into their head, they're fearless and shameless in asking. I, for my part, am terrible at asking, especially at asking for help. There was one time in seminary where I lived in this uh, upstairs apartment, and um, the, the, only, the only entrance door was an out, uh, exterior door, right? So there wasn't an indoor staircase, but it just went out basically onto what was like a fire escape. It was one of those metal uh, staircases up to the second floor apartment. And I was, I was moving out, and um, I didn't have anyone helping me that day. And so I, I tried to carry a, a love seat down this fire escape by myself. And, you know, I had it precariously, like, balanced on my shoulder. I'm not a strong person. That's self-evident, right? But I, I thought if I could get my arms around this thing, I'll just, I'll, I'll get it down the steps. All because I didn't want to ask for help from a neighbor, from a friend, call them up, interrupt their day so that they could come and help me. And that's a trivial example, right? Me struggling with my arms around a love seat, trying to get it down the fire escape. But it gets more serious in other areas of my life, right? Where I show just the same quality of this failure, this unwillingness to ask for help. You know, last week as we talked about do not uh, lead us in temptation, one of the examples I gave or the applications I gave was around accountability. That God has given us one another. He's given us the church to help avoid temptation, but when it comes to that sort of accountability, most of us don't ask for help. I had several conversations with people this week, and they admitted that much. They said, yeah, that was a really good point, but it's so hard for me to do. It's hard for me to ask for help. And then there are other more serious places in our lives too, right? Those of us who struggle with depression or anxiety, but we don't ask for help whether from a friend or from a spouse or from a doctor or from a counselor. We suffer in that silence and we, we isolate ourselves again and again. Or those of us who feel a lot of confusion about life, maybe feel confusion about our faith, and yet we don't ask for help. We don't go to our city group. We don't go to our friends. We don't go to our pastors to say, I'm really stuck on this point. Could you help me? And 
It's not just we don't go to other people, is it? We also don't go to God. We don't believe that prayer, at its essence, is asking. Asking God for the things that we need. What is it for you that keeps you from asking for help? I think when I look at my life, it boils down primarily to one thing. It's a belief that I can do it on my own. We have another word for that. It's pride. What keeps us from asking most of the time is our own pride. This, this inflated self-importance or this idea of self-independence that prevents us from asking God for the things that we need. He knows what we need. He is our loving Father who delights when we come to Him asking for what we need, and yet we refuse to do it. Look back at the the verses I read again and look specifically at verse 6 because I think verse 6 has the key that unlocks this first point of prayer as asking. It says, For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing. You see, that's what led this man in the story that Jesus tells to go and knock on his neighbor's door, to ask, I have nothing. And that's the hardest place for you and me to arrive in our lives, isn't it? To get to that point where to God or to another person we say, I am bankrupt here. I'm out of resources. I'm at the end of my rope. And we have to ask for help. It's this false belief that we have it all together, that we have enough in and of ourselves that prevents us from prayer. Prayer begins with asking. Martin Luther, in his large catechism, he puts it this way, you do not have because you do not ask. What would it look like for City Church this week, for you this week, to begin to ask God for things big and small? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be an enormous thing. Wherever you are, whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind this week, ask God. That's the first step of prayer. So prayer is asking. I said in that definition that the the next part of prayer is it's asking boldly. Prayer is asking boldly. You know, so far in this series, as we've worked our way through the Lord's Prayer, we've been mostly focused on what to pray. And today, if you notice as I read these verses, it's focused on how to pray. What to pray and then how to pray. And how are we to pray? We are to pray boldly. We are to ask boldly of God. Look with me again at verse 8. It's kind of the the heart of this little story that Jesus tells. He says, I tell you, although he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Here's one of these great examples of the Bible using a word that nobody knows. And it's like, here's the money line. And Jesus is like, because of your impudence. And you're like, okay, never heard that word before. What, what, What does that mean? And, you know, other translations um, will will deal with it a little bit differently and maybe more helpfully because they'll explain what that word means. What does it mean? Well, it means like a a, a shameless persistence. It means boldly asking without hesitation. Boldness across time, again and again, banging on the door, knocking on the door, saying, come out and help me. That's what impudence is. That's what our prayer should look like, Jesus is saying. 
Impudence means knocking on a neighbor's door at midnight because you need a midnight snack. Have you ever done that? That's the, that's the image of this whole passage. It's the heart of the story. They're in bed. Their children are bed. You know that by ringing the doorbell, you're going to wake the whole family. You're going to create chaos. But you're hungry, and you ask boldly anyway. That's what prayer ought to be like. How different is that picture of prayer from the sheepish ways that we pray most of the time? The hesitant ways that we approach God. God, if you're up there, maybe could you sort of do it, you know, if it's not too much trouble? That's not the picture of prayer that Jesus offers. It's not the picture of prayer that the Bible offers. Friends, the picture of prayer that the Bible offers is that the people of God would be banging on the doors of heaven. Calling out in our need, out of our nothingness, banging on the door saying, God, answer me. I am desperate. I have nothing without you. It's a boldness in prayer that I have seldom seen in my life. In Hebrews chapter 4, we looked at this passage last week. I want to read it again for you because it captures this same idea. It says in Hebrews 4, Since then we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, the Son of God. It says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That's boldness. During communion, we're going to sing the song, come boldly to the throne of grace. That is how we are to pray, because of Jesus, because we know the Father's heart. That is what impudence looks like. Not hesitant and faint knocking, but a barrage on the doors of heaven. A few months ago, it was the middle of the night, early morning, probably around four o'clock in the morning. And you know sometimes when you're asleep and you, you hear something and you just sort of like integrate it into your dream, whatever it is, there was like this, it, it seemed like an alarm was going off or some sort of siren was going off, but I did not want to be up at 4 a.m. And so I just put the pillow over my head and I went on sleeping and I integrated this sound into my dream. It turns out my neighbor's security alarm was going off and he was down at the river, he was out of town. And so it just kept going off and off and off. And it's the kind of thing where you like peer out your windows, like, is something wrong? Is a car alarm going off? I just, w- I just wanted to keep sleeping. I did that until the Richmond Fire Department showed up and they started pounding on my door, ringing the doorbell and pounding on my door. And then I had to, you know, get out of bed and go downstairs and talk to the police officer, or the, the fire department. See, they showed the banging on the door that ought to be our prayers getting me out of bed in the middle of the night. They were bold to do that. Why are we not equally bold with God to make our requests known to Him? Why are we so timid? Prayer is asking, but it's a certain type of asking. It's asking boldly. And here's the the third part of prayer that we learn from this passage. Not only is prayer asking, and asking boldly, but specifically, prayer is asking boldly of a how much more father. 
And that's the key insight we learn from the end of this passage. We learn about uh, who the Father is, who our Father in heaven is. And this is actually a dimension, kids, where I also want to be like you. I said earlier that I wanted to be like you because you're good at asking, but you're not just good at asking, you're also good at trusting. When you ask something of your parents, you trust that they're going to give it to you or they're going to at least give to you what is best and what is good. That's the quality that we see in this passage as well. It's not just asking, but it's being full of faith in our asking. And it's tied to what we understand about God, what we understand about the Father. Look with me at verse 13. This is the key that unlocks the passage at the very end. Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, when I first read this passage, I thought that this passage was about a comparison. That God is like the man who's woken up in the middle of the night. Maybe he's grudging and he's hesitant, but if we uh, knock on the door enough, He'll answer our prayers. But you get to the very end of this passage and you see that this whole passage is set up not as a comparison but as a contrast. The man gets out of bed even though he's evil. How much more will your gracious heavenly Father give to you all things that you need? How much more? That's the beauty of the gospel. It's a theme that doesn't show up just here in Luke 11, but again and again in the New Testament, we see those words or words like them to describe God, to describe our Father. How much more will He give to you? He who has not withheld His Son, how much more will He give you every blessing that you need? Is that the type of Father that you pray to? Or are you praying, are you asking to some imagined, miserly, stingy father who's hesitant to dole out answers? That is not the picture of our Heavenly Father that the Word of God gives to us. Here's why this is so important. The how much more of the Father is what drives our prayer. You see, Jesus is not putting an emphasis on the how much the disciples pray. He is putting his emphasis on how much more the Father gives. If we reverse that, we lose the gospel. How often have you felt? How often have you heard? How often have you been taught that it's about the muchness of your prayers? It's not. It's about the how much moreness of God. He delights to answer prayers. He loves to answer when we knock. Let us beat on the doors of heaven. Because he is a how much more father. Have you ever received more than you asked for? Have you ever asked for something and been kind of overwhelmed by the response, overwhelmed by the generosity of the gift that is given to you? Maybe it happened uh, at Christmas sometime or when you... uh, graduated from school and got a gift that went beyond your expectation. I'm fortunate enough to have friends in my life who at times have given me things that I certainly didn't deserve and went well beyond what I ever thought. You know what happens when you have that experience? It makes you more comfortable asking again. That's how it is with God. 
It's knowing his heart, knowing his generosity that draws us into prayer to ask more of him. Kids, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I hope you have. I hope you've been following along. I've been talking about prayer as asking. It's this great gift that's offered to us by God, but that we have to ask. We have to reach out. You know, I have here in my pocket today, I brought a $5 bill. A $5 bill. And it's here for whoever wants it. Lucy, did you want something? What do you want? Can you ask for it? Can I please have it? This $5 bill, you know what? Since you came forward and you asked for it, I'm going to give you a $20 bill instead. Thank you for coming forward, though. Is, it, is there something that you want? Yeah, of course. Here's the thing. If prayer is asking boldly from a how much more father, we have to ask. It doesn't count if we talk about asking. It doesn't count if we think about asking. It doesn't count if we go to other people and we share all the requests of the things that we think we're going to ask about. It counts when we ask, when we knock, when we seek. That's the heart of how we're to pray. And friends, before I close, I want to address something that I think is, is potentially a real defeater. I mean, it's something I felt as I re read this passage, especially verses eight, uh, 8 through 10 or 9 and 10. You know, it's this great promise where it says, ask, it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. It sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? And there's a defeater baked into this because I know I know looking around this room. I know from my own life and my own heart that there are things that we've asked for and we haven't received. There are things that you've been seeking and you, you haven't, they haven't been revealed to you yet. Right? You have prayed for someone to get well and they didn't get well. In fact, they got worse, and then they died. There are others of you who have prayed. You've asked for a spouse for years and years, and you're still alone, and the grief of absence has settled over your life. There are others of you who have prayed for a child or a grandchild who has gone far from home, and you have prayed faithfully that they would come home. And they're not home. What do we do with this? How in good conscience can we read and celebrate these words knowing what we've experienced? It's hard. 
God does not always answer our prayers in the way we think he will. He does not always give us what we want, although he promises to give us everything we need. And he does not always answer according to our timeline. The thing that helped me make sense of this more than anything else was thinking about Jesus. Because Jesus had an experience like this, right, in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was headed to the cross. Do you remember what he prayed? He said, Father, let this cup be taken from me. As he looked ahead at the cross that he knew was coming, he said, I don't want this. Give me something else. God didn't answer that prayer. Jesus went to the cross, and Jesus died, and his life looked like a complete failure. What was God doing? God was taking Jesus through the pathway of death to lead to the resurrection. And the pathway that Jesus walked is the pathway that you and I walk as well. It's the power of the gospel. And your unanswered prayers, friends, I know they feel like death. In some cases, they literally are death. But the hope of the gospel is that the pathway to death leads to a greater resurrection. Let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. And we can trust in the will of that how much more Father. Because he tells us what he'll give us in verse 13. He says, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He will give the Spirit who is our comforter. He will give the Spirit who brings life. He will give the Spirit who is a guarantee that on the other side of death there is resurrection and new life. I was talking to my friend this week. I was asking him this question. I said, I'm preaching this passage and I don't know what to do with this. And he told me a story about some missionaries in Peru. And these uh, missionaries knew each other. They worked in nearby areas. And they worked faithfully for 20 years in Peru, praying for harvest, praying to see fruit and conversion. After 20 years of praying and 20 years of working in this uh, mission environment, one of the men had a rich and thriving ministry. People had come to faith and a church had started. The other, it felt like he had just been scratching at hard ground the entire time. And they were having a conversation after their careers were over and the one who didn't see much fruit at all, who's kind of uh, scratching at this dead earth of ministry, he said, why did God bless you? and not me. Why was there so much life and fruit in your ministry and nothing in mine? Why? We asked for the same thing. And the other missionary said back to him, said to him, it's because God knew that he could trust you with your failure. He could trust you with nothing. I thought that was so profound because it captures the heart of the gospel. What you're going through and, and in the unanswered prayers that you feel right now, maybe 
a way that God is trusting you to trust in him. To trust in the gospel that goes beyond what we see and what we get in this life. But draws us towards heaven. Friends, prayer is asking boldly of a how much more father. What would that look like for us this week, this month, this year, to be a people who pray like that? I don't know all the answers to that question, but I want us to pray prayers that stand no chance of being answered unless the Holy Spirit of God shows up. That's when we'll know. Because it says in Ephesians 3, 17, that we pray to a God who can do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. He's a how much more, Father, if only we will ask. What could that look like for us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus' teaching and the way that it reveals your heart to us. I pray that we would trust that you give us your good spirit and that we can ask boldly of everything that's on our hearts. Father, may we become men and women who are beating on the very doors of heaven, the very gates of heaven, asking you to do far more abundantly than we ever imagined. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.